you can be seated. Let's go through our prayer time real quick. And so good that everything turned out real good in, uh, in Ricky and Kim's <laughs> situation with Rick yesterday. Uh, I know that was a scary time and everything. You know, the Lord had His hand in that right there, yeah, for sure. But uh, we can definitely continue to pray for Don and Kathy and, uh, and, and Lily. Can we pray for And of course, Chris and Pam's are traveling and pray for their traveling safety. Uh, pray for that. But anyone else want to pray for traveling? Yes, Bobby and my family are traveling. Pray for them. Pray for Matthew's friend, maybe that he'll stay in love. Everything else, you know, Snow White. Just believe it, Bob. The 26th, she has got the, she needs to stay with her C section schedule for 26th. And she's asking for God to keep her long blood pressure down. And um, she's got her clients to have a lot of things going on. Amen. 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 Kayla had a good shower yesterday. So. Probably Greg. Yeah, and Greg, yeah. Y'all may not heard uh, they had a little scared the other night. Uh, thought Greg may have had a good uh, retina, but it's not that. Uh, but anyhow, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's about the peripheral. There's thinness or something in that. And so he's seeing a lot of light. Uh, blurry vision, so they really have. They say just watch and see. Yeah, we continue to pray for, pray for Greg. Uh, any, any others? Well, we all can say we have, you know, some definitely some unspoken grants. I do. Always been kind of those. And, but anyhow, let's uh, let's go in the Lord in prayer and. Uh, I'm going to call him, uh, Brother Ricky, if you don't mind, we pray today. Father, we love how that song says you're worthy of worship and praise. We know that we look around and we see the world as it is and we see the things that happen and it's easy to get discouraged, but if we'll focus on you, we know that you are good, great, and wonderful and that one day we'll get to be with you as children of God. And we're so thankful that you have your hands on us and uh, even through the bad things, Romans 8 says that you work all of those things together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. I pray that you just go with us throughout this service, be with each and every part, those that have part of the service, whether it be teaching, singing, praying, or preaching. We pray that you just go with us and keep us safe. All this we ask you in your Son's name. Amen. 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 Well, Brother Roger, you come and bring our devotion this morning. Good to see everybody out this morning. Good to see y'all. Glad you're here. Uh, as I was uh, thinking this week about this this moment, um, there's a word that that I've been hearing lately that I didn't hear from. I, I've never heard it in the context that it's being used now. There's there's a word out there called influencers, and um, people. People become influencers when they get so many followers on their social media account, TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. And uh, that's scary to me. That's scary to me that, that 
that uh, we use that term influencers because all of these people are not a good influence mm -hmm. folks um, and, and where I work I see daily little children walking around sometimes they're sitting in the basket holding a little device playing on it and I don't know what you know I don't know what little kids do on those but I do know that uh, I took some of that stuff off of my phone it came with it when I got the phone I took some of those things off because of the influence that they were having on me it was it was something I didn't need to see and I see these little children walking around just they don't even know where they're at they're just they're just locked onto these devices <coughs> and as, as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents um, we just need to do what we can to keep these children and young adults uh, be an influence on them. Let's be influencers, y'all. Let's be influencers. Uh, things are not always perfect, and, and we're, uh, uh, my grandson posted something this week that um, he was not a perfect Christian, but he, worked, he wanted to be working toward that, to be as perfect as he could be. And that's what we all are. We're not perfect. We're just sinners saved by grace. But uh, we can strive for, for something better. And for uh, the influencers in the world, uh, like I said, it, it just kind of scares me to think that that um, there's so much unrestricted use of that that, that little kids see that. And, and I know when I was a child, I could remember everything I saw, uh, even up to, to a, an adult, a young adult. Uh, there was one time at work I had a notepad that I was on phone sales and, and I would get a phone call and I'd write down what somebody wanted, who they were, what they wanted, how many of the price, and hang up getting the call before I could, uh, before I could uh, process that order, write it down. And I'd, sometimes I'd have 10 or 12 orders before I even entered one and I lost my notepad one day. I hadn't got those orders entered. And um, I sat down with a different one, told the operator, I said, don't give me any calls for a couple of minutes. And I wrote down everybody that had called and what they wanted that I could remember. And then somebody brought the notepad back and they said, if I pick this up and then you go write something down, I walked off with it. So, and I looked at it and I had everything right on that. I can't do that now. I'm older. Uh, but as a young person, we remember things that we see. We remember things people say to us. So it's important that that what our children and our grandchildren see uh, is not going to be a detrimental influence in their life. And uh, as I was, as I was uh, uh, reading the scripture that I was going to read this morning, uh, it just kind of came to me that, that we're not the only generation that's ever gone through afflictions and, and had to depend on God. Uh, if you want to turn with me, third chapter of Lamentations, and I believe it was Jeremiah who wrote this, uh, third chapter of Lamentations, the 19th verse. And he said, uh, Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. <clears throat> this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning, Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seek him. 
It is good that a man should uh, both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And I just thought I had read the chapter before that, or the part of this chapter before that, and he had gone through a lot of things. He suffered a lot of things and had been put through some tests and trials, but he remembered it. He remembered that uh, God's faithfulness is great, and it was renewed every morning, uh, just like the just like the sun comes up every morning. It renews everything out there. We get the showers when we need them, and we get the sun when we need it. Um, God's just as dependable. So as we as we go through life, and and uh, these things that we see that that may not be a good influence, um, let's just renew with the Lord every morning and see if. Uh, if uh, that don't work out a little bit better than um, TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or something, uh, that, that'll, uh, I, believe it'll, I believe it'll give us a more joyful day. Sure. Anyone got anything you'd like to say this morning before we, uh, before we take the classes? All right, if not, we'll take our classes at this time. Boy, this feels weird. Everybody looking at me for a change instead of me looking back there. Wow. You're the screen today. I guess I am. That's bad. Uh, just a comment about last Sunday. I wish everyone could have been at the position I was looking back up the hill at the baptizing. That's a, a unique view you don't get if you're up sitting on the rocks. Just... Uh, when I took pictures, I had to take four to get everybody. So uh, it was a beautiful sight looking upwards from down at the river. What a great service that was. I hear myself a little too much, please, Mitchell. Uh, I got to thinking how many times I mentioned Rome in our study of our uh, trip to Israel. So I thought we would start this morning in Romans. It's a big chapter. Uh, but before you turn to Rome, I want you to turn to your index page of your Bible because one of the first things I thought of when I started thinking about it is when you look at the New Testament, why is the book of Romans where it is? And I got to thinking bigger picture, why is the New Testament arranged like it is? I know I'm weird. I understand that. But uh, turn, to your, turn to your index of the books of the New Testament. Let's look at that just a second. I think it helps uh, to put a little context. Uh, we all know in the New Testament, the first thing we have are the four Gospels. The Gospel according to Matthew, and then Mark, and Luke, and John. Their account of the life of Christ and everything that happened. You know, really, that sets the picture and the stage for the rest of the New Testament, doesn't it? Just like what, what, what they call the Pentateuch, I think I got it right, the five books of Moses, the law, 
uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those set the table for the rest of the Old Testament. So in the very same way, the Gospels kind of set the table for the New Testament. Now you could call the Gospels history, couldn't you? They are. They're historical. Uh, mainly their account, each one of those men of the life of Christ. And then we have Acts, which again follows. It's, it's a continuation of the Gospels, history. But then we come into the epistles or letters that men wrote. And the first group that we have, Romans, 1st Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, we know were all written by Paul to churches. Okay? That's why they're a group like they are. They're his letters to churches. Anybody, anybody why was Romans put first? It's the largest one. That's all I know. It's, the, it's probably the, one of the greatest ones, but it's, it's the largest one. It's the largest book or epistle letter that Paul wrote. So I, I'm assuming that's why they put it first. Then you have four books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. They were also written by Paul, but they're written to individuals. So that's why they're grouped together after the epistles to the churches. And then we have Hebrews, which is a book that nobody knew what to do with. Uh, there's still debate today who wrote it. Uh, now we're not even going to go there. But the other unique thing about Hebrews, it was written to Jewish people. All the other letters were written to Gentile people. So it kind of stands by itself on that regard as well. And then you have the, the smaller letters, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, Jude, each one of those writers. And then finally, if you'd put Genesis at the start, you'd want to put Revelations at the end, right? Yeah. Now, trivia question for today. Counting verses, who wrote the most of the New Testament? If you went by counting verses. Or let me, let me rephrase that. What about the top three? Who are the top three writers of the New Testament? Luke. Number one, Luke. Luke. Luke wrote more verses than anybody else. Yeah. Number two? John. Nope, he's three. Paul. Paul. Yeah. Luke, and then Paul, and then John are the three main writers of the New Testament. Just a trivia there. So that's kind of why I think Romans is where it is. It's, it's the largest letter that Paul wrote to a church. Any comments on that? Any thoughts? It's a quiet bunch this morning. I can tell when they're quiet to you, Roger. Well, I guess this morning we'll do the who, what, when, and where to get started in Romans, okay? Let me get over there to it. One of the easiest parts about Romans is who wrote it. And he's the master of the long sentences, and that's Paul. 
I don't know if you'll notice the first six verses are all one sentence. There's more commas and colons and semicolons in that first six verses. He liked a long sentence sometimes. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, was the writer. Was this the first epistle that Paul wrote? No, it was not. It was near one of his latter ones that he wrote. Uh, he was in Corinth at the time, most believe, when he wrote it. And we'll see later in the first chapter, that's probably accurate. Let's talk about Paul just a minute. Paul grew up a strict Pharisee. He would have been considered a Pharisee's Pharisee. Now, what was a Pharisee? It was just a specific group of Jews who were... What's the word I'm looking for, Ricky? They were zealous about the law, but yet they were totally missing the boat. Yeah. Legalistic. Extremely legalistic. Yeah. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Do it this way, do it this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Paul had to have graduated valedictorian in whatever he did. Uh, said one of his teachers was, and I have trouble with this name. G Gamaliel. Gamaliel, thank you, yeah. One of the great teachers of that time, Paul, taught, Paul was taught by him. So Paul was a Pharisee's Pharisee. And he even made that comment in one of his epistles. He was a good one. If you have such thing as a good one, I guess. Paul had the personality, and I'm sure you've met somebody, whatever he did, he did it wide open. Yeah. If he went to buy groceries, he bought five buggies. If he bought gas, he bought, took all his cans with him, okay? Whatever Paul did, he did it big time. He knew the law forward and backwards. Every little clause of it, I think Paul knew it. He knew it to the little jot and tittle. If I'm not mistaken, they had to memorize the first five That's books. very possible. Five. Yeah. He knew the law like no other in his time. Now, history tells us he was a little fella. He was very small in stature. But uh, that's all that was small about him. And humorously, I thought, you know, you see how those great big six foot seven, 300 pound guys are terrified of Nick Saban. And he's about this tall. You know, you ever see that? And they'll tell you that. They're terrified of him. That's what I thought about Paul. He's a little feller. But boy, he commanded a presence when he was in the room. I call that little man syndrome. <laughs> little man syndrome? <laughs> okay. I'll go for that. All right. So Paul, thinking he was doing the right thing, had become one of the greatest persecutors of the early church, didn't he? His mission was to shut them down. Because they were blaspheming the law, weren't they? They've got to put a stop to it. I'm a good Pharisee. And we read where he had his papers, was headed to Damascus to put them all in jail, and he ran into somebody, didn't he? Yeah. 
I think his heart started melting before that, but it ultimately ended there on that road to Damascus where he met the Lord. Yeah, where the Lord touched him, appeared to him. And talk about somebody going 180 degrees. Paul became, who went from this extreme to this extreme. From chasing and persecuting the church to being one of the leaders of the church. Now, we're all familiar with Paul's history. What are some of the lessons we can learn from Paul's life? You ever thought about that? What can we learn from Paul's life? Anybody? That God can take the, he can take the violent sinner. Boy, that's the, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Don't ever say this one's gone too far or this one can't. Yeah. Don't ever underestimate the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Boy, it can touch where you never, ever dreamed it could touch. How about the encouragement Paul's conversion gave to the church? You know, at first, a lot of them didn't even believe it. They thought it was a trick. I know Ananias did. Christ told him, go over and see him. And he says, him? Who, him? Me? I've heard of this guy. But if the young church saw that the Holy Spirit had reached Paul, then the next thought's got to be, well, who else, who can it not reach? Yeah. Yeah, what an encouragement that had to have been. Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yet he knew the law forward and backwards. Yeah. You know, that had to be another encouragement to them that their experience with the risen Savior was different. It, it didn't change the law, but it was so dramatically different from the people who just followed the law mm -hmm. that, that they were just, they were on the right course. Yeah. Now, I, I know it's, it's easy to think uh, and, and it, probably in some ways it had to be true. It'd be tough for someone living under the law to kind of toss that aside and go to grace. But I always believe someone who truly understood the meaning of the law saw Christ coming two miles away. Yeah. Those that were in it like the Pharisees for what they could get out of it were so blinded. Yeah. But, but the Jew that really, who got it, who wasn't wrapped up in the, you know, I think, how, how many, the law's about what, about that thick? But I think by the time the Pharisees got through with it, it was about this thick. All the things they added, the rituals and all that. The Jews that could see beyond that had no trouble recognizing Christ. Michael, I think you worded that correctly. Um, God didn't add it, they added it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I know Neil, when he was uh, Sunday school superintendent, he uh, went through, uh, he had a uh, multi-week um, theme uh, that uh, to be under grace and look back 
to the law and what that was what that meant for us but uh, and I, I think and it was so hard and Neil talked about separating traditions from the Word of God and that we do things because we've always done them and there's no no gospel to it but sometimes that becomes a hindrance and we become like the uh, Pharisees and, and uh, so uh, we, we need to watch that so there's the who who wrote it Paul now the when uh, best estimates are about 57 to 58 AD was when it was written now that's significant because that is before this fellow called Nero came along. The church had it, how would I say, not too bad during this time in Rome, the Roman Empire. Now we know when Nero came, he was a basket case and there was a big fire and he decided he'd blame it on the Christians and things went downhill for Christians after that. That was in 64 AD. But this is before that. So things aren't, you know, it's, it's still maybe uncomfortable, but not like it was a few years later. Paul still goes to jail. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, he did. But I guess it was relatively peaceful for the church at this time. OK, now we got to remember the Roman Empire at its peak. It went, let me turn this way, if you had Spain here, it went all the way, uh, yeah, Spain, Italy, all the way around where Israel was, all the way down across Egypt, and all the way over to the west. And, and it was in the UK. Yeah. It was in the British Isles. So. Yeah. So it was a huge amount of land. And Rome was Washington, D.C. It was the home base. Now, you know, it was set up with different, we could almost call them states. And they, they kind of had self-rule as long as you kept the trouble, kept the peace, and sent money to Rome, they left you alone. So, and we've mentioned that several times, you know, the one of the, like Herod, you know, one of the things he hated about the Jews, they were always stirring up trouble and he didn't want the news to get back to Caesar because it might cost him his job. So, but the other thing you had in Rome, which, which you have to say really helped with the spread of the gospel, was their road system. They had an immense, they were the early interstates, and they were patrol. They had state troopers, if you want to look at it that way. So movement was very free, and therefore with movement went the news of Christ and the gospel. Um, it, it seemed that the Roman government probably kept the Jews under control. Uh, and, and that would have made, like Ricky said, um, they were constantly putting Paul and, and some of the, the early Christians in jail, but they didn't go as far as they did with Christ. And um, because that would have brought attention to Rome and um, so until, like you said, until Nero got there, and he, he was truly a 
basket case, um, they had they had some protection from Rome, and but so the Jews couldn't overly, you know, the Jews would have liked to have took out a, a bunch of them and just slayed them, and uh, that would have made news back in Rome, and that's why. Yeah, remember Rome kind of went down the Greek god route. Your Jupiter and Apollos and all that stuff. All those guys, maybe I should say. So Christianity was kind of just another another one at the time to them. Not, the, not a threat. Okay. And lastly, I think I mentioned before, when Paul wrote this, he was in Corinth. And what did we know Corinth for? It was the Las Vegas of Europe at that time. It was probably the most immoral city there was in the Roman Empire. Yeah. And that's where Paul was. And we'll see in the first chapter, all he had to do is look out his window or go take a walk down the street and start naming how debased mankind could be. Yeah. And we'll get to that later. And then finally, the why. Why did Paul write to the Romans? There are several reasons. Really, the, the only problem, if you'd have it, that the Roman church was having was still the gelling of the Christian Jews and the Gentile Christians, the Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles. They didn't know quite how to handle the law because they were kind of coming from two different directions. So a little bit of conflict there. Paul's trying to, to help them sort that out where it's not a an elephant in the room, shall we say. He spells out in detail, and if there's a theme to Romans, it's the doctrine of salvation by faith alone. That's the heart of Romans. Salvation by faith. Yeah. He goes into great detail about salvation. No works just faith and what it does for us, what it is, what it means. And if you read it, you realize, too, he's preparing them for him to come visit them. He wants to come to Rome really bad. He'd never been to Rome. Now, he had two reasons for coming to Rome. Number one, he wanted to help them. He wanted to meet them. But number two, Rome was going to be his launching point further west. I think if Paul had been allowed to, he'd have went to the very coast of Spain, just as far west as he could have gone. With his, He'd had a fourth missionary trip from Rome on to the west. Whatever he did, he did it wide open, right? Yeah. So those are kind of the why. So I think that's kind of my, my introduction to the book of Romans, the, the how, who, why, and all that good stuff. Any thoughts, any questions, any comments? Well, if I can get my book closed, we'll begin. I, I did see, and we're not, I hope we don't do this, but I did see where this fellow was teaching Romans and he took a verse a week. I hope we can go faster than that. <laughs> it might be a sentence a week. 
But we'll begin, and I'll read this first sentence, okay? Take a deep breath. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Any questions? <laughs> what a sentence. <coughs> I didn't count the words, but um, Paul called himself a servant. The, the real translation is slave. His life was totally under Christ's control. Yeah. He didn't consider him. He considered himself to be free, but yet he considered himself to be a slave to Christ. Whatever Christ wanted, that's what he did. Interesting here, boy, he doesn't take long at all to get into some sticky stuff, does he? He said, called to be an apostle. You know, we, as missionary Baptists, we do not believe... Michael doesn't believe that I can just decide I want to be a minister. It just doesn't work that way. There's a call has to be there. God picks the ministers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not about to knock somebody if God calls them to get all the education they can. I've mentioned several times. I know my Uncle Andrew went to seminary before his father died. But he had the call first. Yeah, had the call first. No one can decide they want to be a minister. No, that's God's business. But he also said separated unto the gospel of God. What's he saying there? Separated. How about ordained? How about ordained? If you remember before him and Barnabas went out the first time, what did they do? They prayed and laid hands on him. Yeah. He was still under the authority of the church back at Jerusalem, wasn't he? Yeah. So here in this very first verse, he makes two big statements. God calls the ministers and the church ordains them and sends them out. There were also people who had trouble with Paul calling himself an apostle. Yes, they did. Because the restrictions to an apostle were much more than the restrictions to be a minister. Yeah. What or were the, the qualifications? I yeah. Guess. What were they? They had to have seen Jesus on earth with their natural eyes. With their natural eyes. What other characteristic did an apostle have? Could they not heal on the spot? No, you'll get better. It's your well. Yeah. Were there only 12 apostles? 
Well, <laughs> I think there was the 12, but I also remember one time where 70 got sent out, didn't they? And they had that ability. Yeah. But we're most, most familiar with the 12 or 13, however you want to look at it. Yeah. So, with that definition, are there any apostles alive today? I'm going to have to say I'm sorry, but no. No. And if someone individually has the gift of healing, let me take him down to UAB, and if he can prove himself, I'll go with him. Yeah. But I want to see it, the room I pick, and I want them to walk out right then. That's the kind of healing they had. Yeah. It's in your house. It's in your house? Okay. All right. And, and we get the rap for not believing in the gift of healing. That's not what we're saying. No, no. We're saying that I don't have the ability yeah. to walk up and touch Bo and he be. Him get up. Yeah. Right then. God has that ability. Yeah. Now, if he wants me to go let him hand on you and pray, that's neither here nor there. Sure. But I don't expect to get up right away. Yeah. But. And I think, you know, this is not a reason not to pray for our friends and loved ones. Of course not. Our acquaintances and even people we don't know that God would intervene in their life. But to say that we can lay hands on somebody, um, there was uh, grifters even in this time that... Uh, tried to prove that, that they could do that, but it, it was, I tell you, the, the Steve Martin Leap of Faith, that is, that's a pretty good movie, and uh, it deals with this. That, who, whose hands is that in? That's in God's hands. Yeah, but the church. Yeah, the church. Yeah. To do that. And yeah. I guess from where I've been, I've had people from the church come in and pray mm -hmm. and do this very thing. Uh, and I've seen the Lord, you know, move because of. of uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, yes. Yeah. The difference we're signifying here, first of all, it's in the hands of the church, not an individual per se. Yeah. And of course, oil is representative of the Spirit of God. That goes all the way back to uh, Aaron. Yeah. us about the, the centurion that came to Jesus and he mm -hmm. was a servant or his son. 
servant. I think it was his, his servant. servant was sick, and, and he asked Jesus to heal his servant. And, and basically, Jesus said, "Well, okay, I'll go home with you." And he said, "No, you don't have to go home with me. I'm, I'm a soldier. I'm a centurion. And when I say go, my men go. When I say come, they they come." And right at that moment, Jesus healed his servant. That was wherever. And and you know, Jesus said. Uh, he had not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. And it, it's, I, I think we missed the part, it's by faith. It, it, it's kind of like being saved. You know, you go back to that. It's, it, it's, it's, such, it's so intangible that it, it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter uh, what we do, but, it is, but it's our faith and our supplication to the Lord. And of course, we're instructed in everything we pray, thy will be done. Yeah. But yeah, prayer can change things. But, but I don't think our issue is with a group of men at the church that get together and no. whether, whether it be anointing with oil and praying, it's this stuff you see on TV. Exactly. Yeah. I, I have the gift of healing, but I'm not in children's hospital. Yeah. I'm, I'm exactly. doing these ludicrous things that don't mean anything. Yeah. That's where our biggest issue comes in. It's not that if you wanted us to bow with you at the altar and do sure. all of those oh, Of things. course, yeah. Yeah. But the power is not through us. Right, yeah. The power's in the hands of the church. Yeah, that, that's true, exactly. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah. In all things now, remember, go back to my triangle. Yeah, the, the church is the final say. And Paul was under the authority of the church at Jerusalem on his missionary journeys. Yeah. Are you good? Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Anyone else? Y'all, <laughs> so. Maryland's back out here today. <laughs> so um, we're human, and we need. We, we need people's touch. I, I, there's, there, I think there's great power in that. I think that there's... Um, when Kim had a wreck Tuesday morning, all I wanted to do was get my hands on those kids and, um, and hold them. I, I needed to do that. that. It was not for them, it was for me. And uh, I think there's great power in that. And I think there's great healing in that, in that uh, when someone is hurt and, and, and devastated, the first thing we, that we have a desire to do is to hug them. And, and I do think that there's great power mm -hmm. in that. Sure, sure. And I, I think that's evidence through, they, I think they did some experiments with babies. Yes, yes. Nobody touched them except to feed them. Mm -hmm. They just let them cry. It was orphanages. And it totally changed them. Some of them died. Yeah. Uh, some of them actually died. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. Well, but, you know, the the first verse of the Jenny Owens song, if you want me to, uh, that song it means a whole lot to me because uh, I probably sang it a hundred times in, in the middle of the night uh, well, in the 21 days that I was in Spain. Um, 
the, the pathways are broken and the signs are unclear. And I don't know the reason why you brought me here, but just because you love me the way you do, I'll walk through the valley if you want me to. And that's, you know, that, that means so much to me because it's not that my muscles are not strong enough to, for me to walk. It's the pathways are broken in my brain. In the sign, so that means the signs are unclear. And a lot of times, uh, I want I, you know, I can do certain things, but I want to pull my feet up, you know, and they stretch out. And so, you know, a lot of times, but he's just because you love me the way you do. We're going to get one verse covered today, aren't we? Yeah. Good stuff, though. Good stuff. But Paul also, there's a key word that he uses in this first verse, and I'll close with this, and that's the word, the gospel. Yeah. What is the gospel? The good news of Christ. Yeah. That's the other key word in this book is the gospel. Yeah. And that was Paul's... Paul's calling was to the gospel. Now he's going to talk about other callings people have, but Paul had a little bit of a unique one in that he was called to share the gospel with the Gentiles. All the other apostles, it was to the Jews, but Paul specifically, interesting, the one that probably knew the law the best was chose to go to the Gentiles. Yeah, the heathen, as it would be. Those outside, yeah. yeah. And Paul spends a great time trying to bring the two sides together, the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian. All right, anyone else? Good stopping places, any, if there is one. All right. I well, hope you got something out of this this morning, and we'll pick up next Sunday. <laughs>